Dr Steve Fines for a Thursday. How are you doing? Well, how sweet it is. How sweet it is indeed. It's nearly <laughs> quarter past ten and we're doing our usual Thursday thing. Already got a couple of emails here. Should we just jump straight in? Let's do it. Well, this is from Glenda, who says, Can you ask the astute commentator if I have completely lost the plot? I like that. Astute. <laughs> or commentator. <laughs> commentator. <laughs> uh, she says, Why don't the intellectuals and the so-called leaders of, quote, furious Hong Kong people fight to have a say on the makeup of the nomination committee, which is not governed by the basic law, as opposed to headbutting things, which are not going to be changed in a hurry. Brilliant ploy, she goes on, by that university professor, that'll be Benny Tai, to plead to Hong Kong cops not to uphold the law. If they don't, the PLA will, and that will be the death knell of Hong Kong. Absolutely amazing. Must give degrees and stupidity out on cereal packets. Right, let's start with the second part first, right, because Ed. the second part first... I think uh, our formidable correspondent has been reading a certain newspaper with a South China flavour to it too often because there's a columnist in there who... who, who um Oh, I can't say this on we're, radio. We're moving. Who, who's a little misinformed? <laughs> you can say who, that who, word once. Once, <laughs> yes. Who, who, who took comments by Benny Time completely out of context, All right. asking the police to uh, defy their orders. Obviously, this is something that you cannot reasonably ask the police to do. And um, They're like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll think about what it. What do you actually, reckon, lads? What he actually said, just for the record, is... You know, I'm sorry for the inconvenience that we're causing you with all this talk of Occupy Central and what have you. We understand that, 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 and I suppose this could be interpreted in this way, but he didn't actually say it. We understand that, you know, like other people, you are citizens of Hong Kong and, and may feel uncomfortable with all of this, but, you know, um, you do your job and we'll do our job, basically. I'm, I'm paraphrasing wildly. Yeah, yeah, I've got what we said, well, I didn't, RTHK did. Yeah. Uh, one of the organisers of Occupy Central, Benny Tyres, attempted to convince frontline police officers to disobey orders when they are asked to disperse protesters who could blockade roads if civil disobedience campaign goes ahead. But the second paragraph is more to the point. In an article addressed to all officers published in the Apple Daily... Professor Tai called on the police to think twice before they resort to using tear gas or water cannons on harmless protesters. Well, this is this is this things. is not asking police officers to disobey orders. Right. It's asking the people who control the police force how they want to implement policing. I think it's very clear that you cannot possibly ask a serving officer not to obey the orders that he's given. And, and, and our correspondent is quite right to say that that invites the PLA to step in and do, do its worst. So let's just set aside what was actually said and what was said about what was said. The <laughs> okay. important thing is that under the current police commissioner, Andy Jung, the policing of peaceful protests, and I stress peaceful protests, as, long, as well as unlawful protests, has sort of merged into one of confrontation. Now, the police in Hong Kong actually have a very good record of dealing with peaceful protests because that's what most of them have been. Yeah. And I find it very, very regrettable that the current leadership of the police force seeks to take such a confrontational attitude towards people exercising their civil rights. But, I mean, you know, I do know there's a difference. It's a very big difference between that and saying that individual officers should decide which instructions they want to, uh, to yeah. obey and which they don't. But then, then let's come on to the other point that he's making, which is um, 
the one of, you know, don't be pressing for things that are impossible. Well, I always like that great quote of... Um, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up his name. Um, the great American author, We're with you, um, Steve. We're Baldwin. With you. Yeah. Baldwin. Um, Stanley. I keep, I keep thinking of Stanley Baldwin, who of course was a British Prime Minister. <laughs> James Baldwin, the great Black American writer, who said, you know, that the impossible is the very least we can demand. Yeah. And at the moment, the very least that can be demanded in way of impossible is genuine. Um, universal suffrage in Hong Kong. The fact that it was promised in the joint declaration, it's seen as an aspiration in the basic law, is all now being reinterpreted yeah. as meaning, well, in Hong Kong that means something that doesn't even vaguely accord with international standards of universal suffrage. Therefore, let's settle for what is, in effect, a system of voting that is controlled from the top and allows people to choose pre-screened candidates. Now, the point being made in this email is, well, maybe the way round this, yeah. rather than confronting those who say that it's um, outside the basic law to have civil uh, nomination, is to focus on the subject of how the nominating committee is composed. Well, he says as a broad brush that the Democrats aren't doing this. That's actually not true. I mean, Ronnie Tong has been advocating this, Anson Chan has been advocating this, and so have some others. And there is, of course, enormous wiggle room here. You can indeed transfer your attention from the demand for civil nomination to a demand that the election committee doesn't become a screening committee and does become a committee that allows anybody who has a viable chance of being a contestant yeah. allows them the liberty to run. But, you know, honestly, I mean, that, that is sensible and that is logical, but honestly, that isn't what's going to happen. And anybody who's read the, the document that was put out, the farcical, dribbling piece of nonsense that was put out by the government this week, which was supposed to be a response to the public consultation... So you didn't which, approve of that, then? Well... You're reading between the lines, you could conclude that. In fact, I mean, you know, I, I, let's be, um, what's it, immodest about this. I think on this programme a month ago, I said exactly what this document would contain. And blow me, <laughs> it has contained that. What it says is, well, you know, the Hong Kong opinion is very divided on this. But by and large, we find that it agrees with what we say. That's the bottom line. That's entirely what this document says. It's not quite how I saw it over says. the past few weeks, quite frankly. No, exactly. They, they don't mention Occupy Central referendum. They don't mention the turnout of half a million people in the streets. On the marvellous bureaucratic grounds of, oh, we can't mention that because that happened outside the consultation period. Ah, yes. You know, well, Ossifer, he was, he was murdered. Uh, we'll admit he was murdered. But you say he was murdered at nine... And here it says he was murdered at nine ten, so it couldn't possibly have happened, could no, it? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, this is this is this is Horlicks of a very, very, very high degree. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, basic law isn't that isn't that because it's you know it's basic. If it well, was it's the, a constitutional really, really document, the and the constitutional document contains the aspiration for the introduction of democracy in Hong Kong, and they're saying, yeah, well, well when we say democracy, we're... we're, we're well, yeah, we're, what we really mean. Well, I mean, you know, North Korea is called the Korean Democratic Republic, and everybody knows that that's um, very amusing. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, the point here, I think the point here is, is that, um, in fact, e e even when being cynical around a month ago, and I said, this is what they will say, I didn't quite envisage that they would go quite as far as they've gone. Well, what they've said 
about reform of LegCo, one of the world's most dysfunctional legislative bodies, is, oh, yeah, we, no, we, we can't do anything about that. Huh? What? <laughs> I mean, they actually said it in darkness. Oh, no, 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 we can't do anything about that. Cause, oh, no, because, no, no, no. my job's worth. Because, <laughs> and this is what I like about it, because the LegCo, thanks LegCo elections before the next chief executive election. Yes. Your point being... <laughs> Hang on, wait, what is your point on that? Uh, that would be nothing whatsoever. So, you know, the people who never take an opportunity not to disappoint have taken an opportunity to disappoint, if that sentence makes any sense whatsoever. But you, I mean, what did you expect of this piece of work? Exactly. The, the new <laughs> War and Peace or something? I don't think so. No, I mean, <laughs> what what they've delivered is, 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 is what it was wholly predictable they would deliver. And let's come back to the original email. Sure. Because I think the problem is this, is it is indeed true that the bulk of the democracy camp are demanding things that the government is unprepared to give. But does anybody now seriously believe that the government is even prepared to give some halfway house, reasonable, negotiated solution along the lines suggested of modifying the election committee? The facts of the matter are that the die has been cast in a very, very firm way, and that is to make sure that the coming elections for chief executive don't have a semblance of genuine representative government. Now, when you say the die is cast, there's all these people who say, oh, oh let's be realistic. If the die is cast that way, let's um, let them um, all sit down and shut up. Well, the problem with sitting down and shutting up is you never get progress. You know, if do you think... <laughs> You know, it's funny, these people, they turn off from history. Do you think that the Chinese People's Republic would have been formed if the Manchu regime hadn't been over overthrown? I'm not talking about elected out, overthrown. Yeah. Do you think that any changes would have taken place in any repressive or unrepresentative society if people hadn't mobilised themselves on the streets. Incidentally, James Baldwin, who I was talking about... Not Mike Baldwin. Not Mike Baldwin, <laughs> or any other Baldwin you might want. When he wrote this um, thing about, um, you know, the, the least we can demand is the impossible, he was talking about the achievement of civil rights yeah. in, in America. And when he wrote that, you know, there were, there were black people still denied the vote, they couldn't get into schools. Well... The impossible has now happened. Practically all of these things have gone away. Oh, and by the way, there's a black person who is the president of the United States of America. But that didn't come about by people saying, Oh, my goodness me, oh, this is all very let's difficult. Let's sit down and act now. Let's, let's not do anything. Oh, let's, um, no, 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 let's give up. Because at the first time, first sign of any trouble, the best thing we should do is give up. No, there was enormous enormous turmoil yeah. in the civil rights movement. Much of it incidentally involved people engaging in activities that were beyond the law, you know, occupying buildings. Goodness, somebody suggested it, that in Hong Kong as well. It was all peaceful. I mean, you know, they were giving classes well, it wasn't in... peaceful when they, when they lynched no, uh, protesters. I don't mean from that side. Yes. I mean yes, from the protesters' right. side. They gave classes in, in, how to in, do it. in peaceful resistance, which incidentally is what Occupy Central is, is, is also doing in Hong Kong. So, I mean, they take their inspiration directly. Yeah. Directly I think they have from as that well, movement. Actually. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Well, but we've we'll got... We'll see how all that pans out. But I mean, the one thing you know for certain, the only thing you know for certain, is that passive acceptance of the unacceptable is a disaster. 
Absolutely, you got it. If you want to write on in, it's morningbrew at rthk.hk. I've got one here from Chris. Let's see what Chris says. Good morning. <coughs> Two points arise from the reports by the government on political development. The conclusion that there is no need for any changes for the LegCo elections in 2016, and there was no mention of any changes to the election committee. Well, oh, great coincidence we're talking about mm. this. Uh, he carries on. Throughout the public consultation, there has been virtually no discussion of the LegCo elections in 2016 and only a little on the composition of the election committee. The politicians, particularly the pan-democrats, have let us down badly in this regard. They fell into the trap of focusing on the matter of civil nomination to the detriment of public discussion on these two vital points, which I think they could have gained changes on. Thanks, Chris. Well... Chris, you're a more optimistic fellow than I am. That's all <laughs> I can say. I mean, he says that there's no mention of the 216 LegCo elections. That's actually wrong. There is. It says nothing will change. There, it is mentioned. It's just ruled out. So let's deal with that, number one. Number two, he, he, he also goes back to this point that, that the Democrats should be focusing on the composition of the nomination committee. Well, I don't in fact, disagree with that. It but is logical all, to say it that. Is, it is logical, but all I'm saying is, does he really think... You know, it's very nice to, to criticise the Democrats for being, you know, intransigent and unreasonable, but does he really think... Where is a shred of evidence that the government, and of course it's masters in Beijing, who are the people who really matter, have the smallest intention of creating a democratic nominating committee, or election committee. So you're it's saying called. it's going to be same old? Well, what I'm saying is that, that you, you can logically say that they should focus on that, yeah. but you can also logically say, produce the evidence that there is any, any indication of a determination to make that into some kind of democratic body. And we're back. 22 minutes to 11 o'clock. Still in with Steve Hines. <laughs> uh, let's see here. More, more, uh, more emails. Glenda just wrote back, well, probably something very logical. She just said, sometimes winning battles leads to winning the war. Charge of the Light Brigade springs to mind. Well remembered in history for what it didn't achieve. Yeah, well, this is part Quite of... Quite true, though. It is true. It's part of Britain's great record of glorious defeat. Glorious British cock-up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a cock-up, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but, he, you know, it's, it's, it's a good point. Um, you, you, you know, uh, this is the whole thing about these long-drawn-out wars. They're, they're barely ever um, won with some conclusive single action. It's a, and when you come to this sort of battle, like the battle for civil rights in, in, in the United States, like the battle for the votes for women, you know, th it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. Yep, so don't give up, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying uh, Chris yeah. just writes back after you read his email. Uh, actually, I did say that the report from the government stated no change for the LegCo elections. The point I was making was that there was virtually no public discussion on the matter. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I do agree that the pandemic should have gone for civil nomination, but not to the exclusion of everything else. I do think that it is not too optimistic to think that some positive changes could have been made to the LegCo elections and the election committee, given that the current situation on both is indefensible. I don't think full democracy could be gained, but I do think some positive gains could be made. However, the chance has been largely missed, I fear. It's quite interesting. For years and years and years, people have been talking about democracy and universal suffrage in Hong Kong, and they've only been saying but quite recently. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, I'll just come back to Chris, you know. Don't have I, an argument now. <laughs> no, 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 gosh. We, won't, we wouldn't like that sort of thing on public radio. Absolutely not. No. But, I mean, you know, you can't say 
that it's the Democrats who failed to act. I mean, there is a small matter of them not being in the government. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it is the government that has it in its power to introduce legislation. Or does it? Well, it, it does nominally. I mean, I on mean, paper you, it does. On yes. paper it does. But on, on, on paper, of course, the legislature does not have it in its power to introduce this legislation. You mustn't forget that. Yeah, for sure. This is very important. Now, what, 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 of course, people understand, because most people here are pretty intelligent, is that the government has all sorts of powers that it's actually abrogated to the central authorities in Beijing. So whereas it does have the power, it has every power to institute constitutional reforms of a, wide, of a wide sweeping nature. Yeah. It won't move a little finger until it gets its instructions from the boys up north. Now, this wasn't the constitutional arrangement that, that people assumed was going to happen under one country, two systems, but it most definitely is the constitutional arrangement that's emerged, mm -hmm. and it emerged very quickly after 1997. So, you know, when people say be realistic, be pragmatic, all these nice words, it's a two-way game. You can't just say that the opposition have to be realistic and pragmatic. You would hope that that also would extend to the people who've actually got the power to do these things. I'm, and somehow they seem to be absolved from that. I wonder if when people make comments like Chris about the Dems, etc., I wonder... If they're just saying, I wish these guys would get their act together a well, bit Well, there is something in that, and there really is. And, they are all and, over the place. And, you know, I mean, um, the, 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 the Democrats are often saved by the sheer bullheaded stupidity of the people who run this place. Because if it wasn't for the issue of the white paper, that rally on, on July the 1st, I'm very sure, wouldn't yeah. have attracted half a million people. Well, you and I talked about this before. Um, I mean, it really was flame, you know, petrol to the flame, etc., yeah. etc. But, but I think perhaps, you know, the guys upstairs said, well, we don't really care what's going on in Hong Kong. We want this message delivered, and we want it delivered now. Two different issues. Yeah. Do you think that was it? I, I think there's something in that. And, and, and also, you know, just going back to the point about the Dems got to get their act together. Do you know what? If you've... And I'm sorry to say this, but I have been around for a while. If you've ever reported on political parties and political movements... Anywhere in the world, and I think the word anywhere in the, the words rather anywhere in the world apply, you will always find that people say, "Oh, if only these wretched politicians could all get their act together and agree on something." I mean, you look, you can take any example you like. If you look at the United States on the opposition side of the Congress, you've got a deeply divided Republican Party between the completely bonkers, the half bonkers, <laughs> and the almost it's bonkers. In, 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 in Britain, you've got an opposition Labour Party that's still split, but, you know, does manage to come together. Yep. If you look at um, the opposition anywhere, I mean, in France, you've got an enormously weak president but you've got an even weaker opposition because it's so badly divided. I mean, the biggest opposition party that's now emerging is, in fact, a fascist party Yes, in, in, in the shape of the National Front. The traditional rightist parties are all over the place. In the UK, they too. Can, well, I, you know, as I'm saying, yeah. it, it, it's not... Let, let's, before we are too harsh 
on Hong Kong. Let's remember, this is a universal phenomenon. Oh, yeah. The thing that cracks me up, though, is the news guys always refer to the League of Social Democrats guys as radical. Honestly, I've had more radical cheeseburgers than these guys. <laughs> They're pussycats. Why do they keep describing them as radical? And why is long hair called long hair when he's got short hair? But anyway, I, 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 I just... Small reason about that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I know he went to prison, but hey, what details, you, I mean, you details. Know, ch- chucking of... They're not radical. Yeah, I mean... I know it's, I know it's potato, I, it's, potato. It's, it's, but, all, it's all shorthand, and, you know, those of us who are in the news business are very, very culpable of what I call poor shorthand. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but, let's move on. I gave you an email a little while ago from, uh, yes. from Scott, and it's a it's, um, different topic. It, it is a different topic, and it's 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 about this perpetual business of um, Chinese GDP figures. And he says uh, the tricky thing with chronically puffing up your GDP data is that it makes it really hard to tell what's happening in the economy. Um, Goodhart's law, named for a US banker, states, when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Boy, is he right on the money, <laughs> on the money there. I mean, his basic point is that, you know, China has said it will have headline uh, GDP growth of 7.5%, and miraculously, bing, bing that's what <laughs> it gets. I mean, you well, know, the debate over the reality of Chinese economic data figures is so big that, um, you know, you could fill many stadia with it and still still have lots of demand for more. It's the problem with these societies that lack transparency. I mean, that's the bottom line here, yep. is that the access to real hard data about what's going in, on inside your own country is limited by those who exercise control over the flow of information. Yeah, The fact is that China quite obviously isn't in recession. Is the economy really growing at 7.5%? Well, if you believe that, you know, you believe that pigs can fly. Mm -hmm. It cannot possibly be true. If you believe the fact that China will become the world's biggest economy means that it will become the richest nation in the world, I suggest you actually go and visit some parts of the mainland that don't have electricity, where people are you know, literally grabbing around for a living. It is not a prosperous country. It's a country that has pockets of prosperity. Yeah. That's a very, very different thing. It has a central leadership that, that issues targets and then miraculously gets those targets filled. I mean, remember, during Mao's Great Famine, it was said in China that nobody was going hungry, but people were literally dying in their hundreds of thousands and in their millions. So, you know, there's a long tradition of utter and complete BS when it comes to China's economic development. And in a way, it detracts from the very real achievements because, you know, China has quite clearly become a lot richer than it was. It's just the big issues now that aren't being addressed, the distribution of wealth Mm -hmm. and access to equal opportunity in a society that's becoming increasingly prosperous. And, of course, there's the big issue of the very, very rich people, the people who've benefited most from this growth, have been so patriotic that they've decided that they've got to get the bulk of their funds out of the country. Hmm. Not stupid, are they? Yeah, I'm sure that's... I'm probably just making that up. Just before we change topic here and bring it back to Hong Kong, this crackdown on corruption, I think we touched on this before, is this just a great big propaganda spin? Because if it really was a crackdown on corruption, the whole thing would go, surely. Well, I think, you know, views are very divided on that and uh, my impression for what it's worth is is that something quite significant is happening 
But, but... Selectively. But selectively. It does seem that the people who are targeted in this big anti-corruption uh, net mm. are people who are likely to pose a threat, pose an alternative, pose some sort of challenge to the leadership of Xi Jinping. And the convenient thing for him in the current circumstances is if you want to eliminate a political rival or you want to knock whole parts of the bureaucracy that pose a threat to central control out of the system, it's never difficult to find corruption as a pretext for doing it. And it so happens it's real. I don't think these charges are made up. I think these people are oh, corrupt. Yeah. But the problem is there's many other people who are corrupt who are not challenging the central authority of Xi Jinping, and uh, we don't hear of them being any kind of trouble. Absolutely right. All right, then, what do you got? Well, I just, uh, I mean, <laughs> when, when you're talking about corrupt, um, you're talking, that, that there's two levels, there's corruption and there's sheer stupidity. So sometimes the two are combined. In Hong Kong, we've got this remarkable situation where the head, the chief executive of the MTR Corporation has been forced to fall on his sword. Apparently it was all mutually agreed. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it was all mutually agreed that, that Mr... Um, I keep forgetting. I keep wanting to call him Wallander, but he's called Jay Walder. Walder. <laughs> he's not named after that Swedish detective. Who knew that? <laughs> anyway, um, he, he, he apparently has happily fallen on his sword to take responsibility for this two-year delay in the construction of the railway that isn't really needed and is going to cost far too much money, but that's another topic. But what's interesting in this is the way that these guys look after themselves, not that the way they actually achieve any um, real taking of responsibility. They get an independent committee set up under Freddie Marr. I thought they all had their own guys doing these committees. That's the trend now. Well, well no, he is one of their own guys. <laughs> he is. I mean, Frederick Marr Hello. is the insider's insider. He's an ex-government minister. He's been around the establishment, you, you know, for longer than rotten eggs. And he does a report into um, what happened at the MTR. And apparently nobody was really responsible, although some people were sort of responsible. But anyway, the people who appointed him to do the report, the board of the MTR... Nobody can, nobody can say they were responsible. Poor dears, they weren't given the right information. Oh, well, yeah. you know, in my book, if you're the member of a publicly listed company, if you're a member of a company in which the, sh the majority of the shares are still held in public hands, even though the MTR has been privatised, your responsibility as a member of that board, is to ask the questions, not just to sit there and go, oh, that's very reassuring, I, I think we'll do nothing. The chairman... Of the MTR board, the, the extremely smarmy and self-confident Raymond Chen is, is sort of... Michael. No, no, the chairman of, of, of the MTR. Oh, excuse me, OK. Yeah, Raymond Chen. He's, he's um, uh, pops up on television, you know, saying, well, you know... <laughs> and, you know, it's all very impressive. But the fact is, Mr Chen, you're the person who sits in the hot seat why aren't you responsible mm. why aren't your fellow board members responsible for what's going on i'm not surprised there have been calls for their resignation you know clear out the stable it's full of rotten horses it's this kind of awful attitude of if we can pick on a couple of people to blame we don't have to take any responsibility. Blame the Guaylo. Well, blame the Guaylo. <laughs> they blamed the Chinese broke as well. Know. But, you know, if we can do that, we can sit back and um, perhaps no one will notice 
that when we had a board meeting, we couldn't be asked <laughs> to ask the questions that need to be asked. You know, God, it makes you sick. It really does. And these people do it in this sort of self-righteous and pompous way. Oh, well, you know, we, 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 we carefully monitored. No, you didn't. How could you have carefully monitored a situation in which there's a two-year delay which you didn't know about? What you're actually saying is we didn't do our job. And, oh, well, that doesn't mean we should take... We, we don't have to take blame for that, do we? Can't we blame someone? Yes, we can. Well, see, the thing is this. Every time there's a massive, mega, blah, macro project, a bridge, a road or whatever, isn't it fair to assume that it is going to become more expensive yeah, it is more or less. And it first, always becomes more expensive. And that it'll be delayed. I mean, West Kowloon, the bridge to nowhere, yeah, the, the road to... Well, West Kowloon is still a bomb... Not a bomb site. It's a sort of... Well, it's a thing that's not happening. I mean, yeah, all of this is true. So what you need... But, I mean, with the MTR, of course, it's, a, it, it's not just a project. It's, it's, it's a large corporation running a major piece of transport infrastructure. And at one level, it's working perfectly well. I mean, the fact is, the MTR service is superb. I won't, I won't really have a lot of time for people who say, oh, it's a dead loss. I mean, you, you, you want to travel on other mass transit systems before you say that. Sure. But in terms of its capability of managing this big new project, it has shown itself to be entirely wanting. And it's also shown itself that the people who run it the people who are on the board. That's why you have a board of directors. It's called responsibility. But they're saying, oh, no, 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 the buck doesn't stop with us. It stops somewhere else. Um, oh, that bloke. Yeah, that bloke. Yeah, there's He's a real tall. We can blame him. There's a real finger-pointing culture. <coughs> there's a lot of finger-pointing. And, you know, I think if, if, if um, Raymond Chen had any self-respect, any self-respect, he would step down as chairman of the MTR Corporation, because this isn't a, a minor sort of technical little problem. This is an enormous scandal of covering up a big project, an enormous project that isn't delivering what it said it's going to be delivering, isn't going to be there on time, it's going to cost more, etc., etc. Well, you know, by all means, blame the bloke with the screwdriver, but... <laughs> If you're in charge, you're in charge. Well, let's look at this. It, it does happen time and time again. Is it, is it in general fair to say that the initial business plans are just there to, they're just very show-off? You know, they're not necessarily as realistic as they could be very often, but they, they look great, and let's do it. Well, I th there's that. I mean, there are genuine... In this instance, there are genuine problems that occurred with, with when they, you know, they had to dig big holes. I mean, what do I know about this stuff? But I, I, I read the public prints, and if it's in the newspaper, it must be true. Must be. There's big holes, and in the big holes you get unexpected flooding, you get obstacles that you weren't expecting. I mean, that's actually, in my book, completely reasonable. Mm. But it's how you handle that. Instead of saying, no, no, none of that's a problem, what you need to do is try something new, the truth.